Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, www.eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W.com. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. A gift of $25 a month gets the gospel to 10000 in a year, just three cents a soul. Go to EternityNow.com and click Support Us for more. Thanks for listening. Now for another session in the Revelation Bible Study. Welcome to you all around the country. We've also had interest from other nations. And on our Eternity Now website, EternityNow.com, we have had visitors from over 135 nations. It's been exciting when we have shared the gospel with more than 1 million people over the last two years. Eternity Now, my church and evangelism movement, is new to Scottsbluff, Nebraska, but it has been around for two years. As far as this month, or rather, I should say during this week, we are going to have our second anniversary, and now we are targeting having another million people reached in the next 12 months. And there's a link on our live video picture, and that is to be able to give to that. We're looking for 50 people giving $50 a month, or 100 giving 25 a month, and your $50 a month gift touches 20000 over the course of a year, $25 a month, the 10000 And I want to remind you to join us Saturdays at 5.20 p.m. for worship on Facebook Live. You'll be able to see my messages and updates and such. We'll be going forward on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain Time here with the Revelation Bible study until we get all the way through the book, and that's probably going to be the better part of the year. So just put that in on your schedule. And as I just mentioned, we've just moved to Scotch been around for two years, reaching 1,047,514 people for Jesus Christ. Little as much of God is in it. And believe me, our finances would be in the little scheme. But you can make a difference in that in our Reach a Million campaign as we endeavor to reach a million in the next 12 months. Now, what is my background as I begin this particular study? Well, I have a seminary degree in theology. Uh, I also have a master's and PhD in journalism as my first field and religion as my second field. And I have taught both of those in college along with media and other subjects as well. I've been the dean of a statewide ordination and licensure school. I've been preaching over 20 years in more than 20 denominations, coast to coast and border to border. I've been a senior pastor and held other offices such as evangelist, uh, head of education, etc., at uh, local churches as well as in districts. I've uh, spoken nationally and internationally as well as to two people in a particular church, from two to 2,000 in person, and also many millions, of course, uh, via the media. So it's been very exciting. I've been ordained three times. The first time in 2003, um, in my 20th year of ordained ministry, I've also been ordained by a denomination, the Church of God in Christ, and then also by a county minister's association. So we have had an exciting time, ordained as clergy, as in the gospel ministry, and also to evangelism. And most importantly, I actually function in those. And I led people to the Lord before I was ordained, and you can do the same too. And we'll tell you about that toward the end of our broadcast today. 
as we study Revelation and go through our various meetings, it may be helpful for you to have a Bible open or to get a window open on your computer with a Bible website like BibleGateway.com. That is one of my favorites. It's very easy to read. It has many, many different versions. I will be quoting the New King James Version. That is a very good word for word translation. It is not thought for thought as the New International Version or NIV, but it's not that different from the NIV nor is the NKJV uh, very far off of the King James. It's just more understandable insofar as it doesn't use the old language. Now, let's talk a little bit about Revelation, both from the standpoint of Scripture and our world today. Let's pray first as we get going. Father God, thank you so much for these who are gathered around the country and world to be able to study Revelation with me. Lord God, I pray that you will unleash the maximum possibility of blessing, as this book says in studying it in its last chapter. Oh, Lord God, help us to be wise to understand the times and to also give a reason for the hope that lies within us to others so that they might be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord God, the rapture is coming soon and also the final judgment. And Lord God, we pray that as many as possible will be saved and spread from tribulation and judgment as possible. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Very little can be done without prayer. <laughs> For all things consist and are held together by God, as Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Now, taking a look at the Bible, there are 66 books in the Protestant Bible. There are 39 in the Old Testament, and there are 27 in the New Testament. And Revelation is the very last book in the Bible, and it is the last written appropriately as well. We are pretty certain of the date. We know that John appeared before the Emperor Domitian, the Apostle John being the author of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, as it is formally known, and that was approximately 95 or 96 AD. What happened was the Apostle John was put into a vat of boiling oil to try to kill him. And what happened is that the vat can only oil in oil at 375 degrees. Now, water generally boils at 212 degrees. Yet, the Apostle John did not perish, nor did he cry out, but he continued to preach the gospel, observers say. And when he would not die or cry out, the people who were gathered in the Colosseum to watch him be executed began to call for clemency to the emperor Domitian. And so Domitian sent him to the rocky island of Patmos, which is just a few miles off the coast of modern-day Turkey, uh, those days called Asia Minor. And one morning, he had the revelation of Jesus Christ unfold before him as he was in the spirit of the Lord's day, that was, in prayer. Now, Revelation may be the main work of Scripture, as far as the Bible is concerned, but it is not the only book of prophecy, as far as we are going to consider in this. The main book of prophecy, but not the only. I have put together a timeline of end-of-days events, which you can see attached in a comment to the announcement for tonight's study. You can print it out. This is a printed copy of saying. This has been put together by myself, so I own the copyright to it. And you can produce these and give these to others, uh, share them online, print out physical ones, give as many as possible to everyone as a witness. My only demand is you do not alter it, and you also do not charge for it. Make sure it's free. 
passing on as is, and you're just great. I hope you print a million of them. <laughs> just like we're trying to save a million and get the a million the gospel of Christ. And I think that it will be very, very hopeful, helpful to you as we go through this study, and we will mention it tonight, refer to it tonight as well. You'll notice that in the verse references on that timeline, Revelation is there, but there are other books of the Bible as well. And what often confuses people who try to understand Revelation is that while it's the most in-depth book of prophecy in the Bible, it is not the only book of prophecy in Scripture. You'll see the names of Daniel, 1 Thessalonians, and other books and passages mentioned in addition to those of Revelation. These references fill in details and sometimes even give frameworks that are important to getting what Revelation is saying, as well as grasping the events of the end times generally. Some of those we'll tackle tonight, and others as appropriate as we go along in the study. Now, if you go all the way to the left, the little cross that's put there at the beginning, the reference is to Daniel 9.26, which says in part, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. That refers, Messiah, to Jesus Christ, crucified about 29 AD, while the book of Daniel was written 550 years earlier. <laughs> now, ever since the fall of man in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, found out what sin was all about, God has looked forward to when people be fully reconciled to him, as that separation uh, that rebellion rather separated us from him. Now, only having Christ live sinlessly, be murdered and rise again, could build that bridge between God and us that had been wedged, that great chasm by sin. Jesus Christ dying in our place became that lateral in the cross, be able to bridge between the vertical God and man. But there is a second and more specific reconciling that is very important to understanding Revelation and biblical prophecy, and that is of the Jews to the Lord. The Jews were and are still God's chosen people. We just had the 74th anniversary of the modern Israeli political state. That is not really what is being referred to here. Israel as a people, all those who are Jews, who worship him as according to the Old Testament. But them being gathered back into their native land after hundreds, even thousands of years, and being able to rule, and it is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. They are the original chosen people. Remember that their father was the great man of faith, Abraham, and whose seed all nations would be blessed. The Lord promised in Genesis 22:18. The fulfillment, of course, coming from that child of faith, who would be Jesus Christ. The Lord commanded in Leviticus 25, Old Testament, that the Jews leave their promised land, Israel, untilled in the fields, until every, every seventh year as a Sabbath, which is a rest for self and soil. So, kind of the last day of the week is the Sabbath in the Old Testament. Well, every seventh year, as corresponds to seven days in the week, the Jews were to leave their land untilled. They would be able to eat 
whatever grew up anyway, as the Bible says, whatever grows of itself. Then after seven of those Sabbaths for the land, 49 years, seven times seven is 49, not to try to get you too much math, but the Jews were to leave the soil alone for yet another year, a second year, the Jubilee. That's when everyone returned to his own ancestral farm and land and all debts were canceled. We're all looking forward to a Jubilee coming soon, aren't we now? Now, it takes some faith to let your fields lie fallow, unplanted for a year, and it takes a lot more for a second year. <laughs> a lot of self-control, a lot of planning, just like with Egypt having the crops that are excess in previous years uh, stored up in silos, for example, is a wise move. The Jews, however, apparently did not heed the commands to have those Sabbath years and Jubilees at various times, but they just kept on tilling the land as well as sinning in other ways, failing to observe what the Lord had told them to. A little bit of the same happened here during the 1920s. We had such high prices in the United States for wheat and other kinds of grains and produce that farmers would till all of the land possible. In fact, they took out the windbreaks and other kinds of precautions because the money was so good. But what happened was when the weather turned dry in the 1930s, that topsoil had not very much strength left to hold it to the core. And so it began to blow away. In fact, there is a very famous photograph of soil raining down on Amarillo, Texas, a town where I've been a lot of times and spent a number of years. And they had the dirt clods, which seemed like it was going to be the apocalypse then. Well, it wasn't, but it was a very, very sad day because greed had destroyed people's land and crops. Well, it was it's really the same problem either way, is not believing that God is going to take care of you, not entering God's rest. The Lord warns us in Psalm 95, 7 to 11, and Hebrews 4, 8 to 11, Old Testament, New Testament, that we have to be diligent to enter the rest of God. Sounds a little bit like an oxymoron, right? Diligent to go on a hammock or something like that. Well, really, that's not what the Lord is talking about here. What he's saying is don't be anxious. Don't be worried about the future. Just do as I've told you to do, and it will be well. I'll lead you. The Lord says that the steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered of his. Now, do you think about every step as you step? No, you don't, do you? That's because God, when we are saved, is in us, and he's helping direct us to the right places and away from the wrong ones. Unfortunately, sometimes we resist them, and we go to bad places, they get us in lots of trouble. And the same thing was true for the Jews. They just kept accusing him, saying he wasn't good, provoking him to wrath. He had parted the Red Sea for them. And yet they would not enter his rest. Let us not be the same way today. But for the Jews' disobedience in failing to rest in the Lord, failing to observe what he had commanded, God appointed 70 weeks of years, that is 70 times 7, 490 years total, but not all in a row, for how they would be oppressed. Why did he allow them to be oppressed? Well, so he would drive them to himself. When we realize we cannot save ourselves, that the Lord God is in control, 
And only he is going to truly be able to bless us, give us life, and that more abundantly. Then he is able to reward us. You see, we have to have our rest in him. We have to have our life in him. We have to have our love in him and our trust in him to truly be blessed, to truly be able to prosper, to truly be a great witness of his. And so knocking out all these other supports was the way to bring these Jews to Jesus and to God. Now, here is how Daniel, that prophetic book, chapter 9, verses 24 and 27, described this. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood, and till the end of the war, desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Wow, there's a lot in that little four verses, is there not? Now, seven weeks of years, 49 years, as referred to in the passage, came once the king of Persia, who took the Jews into captivity, released them. And he actually paid for them to rebuild Jerusalem, an amazing miracle. He was completely pagan, but he helped them to be able to keep the peace in that particular area and to be able to focus on governing Persia. The next 32 weeks of years, or 434 years, again, going back to the math tables, you know, seven times 62 is 434, came as Jews endured the oppressors taking the promised land by force and then putting the temple under foreign authority. Recall that while there were synagogues in the various cities around Israel, that there was the main temple for all the Jews at Jerusalem, the capital city, the city of God's beloved David, the king, and that several times a year, Jews had to go there to observe certain feasts and offer sacrifices. Daniel 9.26 says that after the 62 weeks, we've already had the 49 weeks as well, Messiah will be cut off. We know that Jesus Christ is Messiah, and so that is the crucifixion. Interestingly, most scholars believe that Jesus' earthly ministry was approximately three and a half years, half of a week of years or seven. Seven divided by two is three and a half. We're going to try to keep that math down. Now, that yet leaves, we have 69 weeks done of 70. This is pretty easy. One week years or seven years length to atone for the Jews' wickedness and have them to accept Christ as Lord. And that's referred to in verse 27. Now, there are two princes in this translation referred to, but this is a bit different if we look at this in context grammatically. The prince who is to come is Antichrist. You've probably heard of him. He's the man of sin, 666, the one who's going to rule and reign, make people take a mark in their forehead or on the right hand.
This Antichrist is going to make a treaty toward the beginning of the tribulation, seven years in length, with many countries and take over the world, including a rebuilt main Jewish temple in Jerusalem that does not exist yet, but that is going to pretty soon. In fact, the Knesset is talking about constructing it. This is extremely controversial because that land actually is where a Muslim temple sits right now. So <laughs> there is a lot of concern about having another Jewish temple in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus, the prophesied Messiah, meaning anointed one, as John 1.11 says, came to his own, and his own received him not, for the most part. Paul says his fellow Jews' mistake in this has led God to provoke them to jealousy, as salvation has come to the Gentiles, per Romans 11.11. 11. Christ's death and resurrection began the era of grace and mercy, often called the church age by theologians, but which Jesus labels as the times of the Gentiles. That is specifically from, and you can see it on your timeline, Luke 21, 24. That is between the cross, that is Messiah being cut off, and then the arrow upwards, which is for the rapture, when the Lord takes out all born-again Christians, just as the tribulation is about to unfold. The Christians will go to heaven, they will wait out those seven years, and then is the second coming of Jesus Christ, in which the saved and he shall rule and reign over a perfected earth for 1,000 years. This is foretold in Revelation 20, and we'll study it in depth as we go through this particular book. Now, today, we're at the end of the time of the Gentiles and near the beginning of Jacob's trouble, which is also referred to the tribulation. Properly, Jacob's trouble is the second half of the tribulation. Uh, and it begins when Antichrist puts himself in the temple and exalts himself as God, showing himself that he is God. This is the trigger for requiring worship or death of everybody on the planet and also having everybody take the mark of the beast so that they can be able to buy and sell through his control system as well as his observing their worship. This will likely be done by computer and as we will study, there's already a system available for this now. It is patented. Now, in Daniel 12, 1, the angel visiting the prophet says, There shall be a time of trouble, such as never was, since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people, the Jews, shall be delivered. The Jews in that last three and a half years, and the first three and a half is going to be terrible. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, inflation, scarcity, lawlessness, and death through war are going to reign across this earth and kill half of the people alive. That would be four billion people. To give you an idea of how much that is, five million people around the globe have died due to the coronavirus, and that may be inflated. So we're talking about nearly 1,000 times that many people. Think about the person on your left being killed and the person on your right remaining. <laughs> That's about what we're talking about. But how do we know that we're at the end of the times of the Gentiles? Ah, well, Jesus told us what to look for. 
Jesus' disciples asked him about this in the Olivet Discourse. It's called that because it came upon the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. And you can find it in your Bible in Luke 21, Mark 13, and most famously in Matthew 24, verses 4 to 14. Now, here's how that reads. I'm going to let you take a, just a moment, if you can get to your Bible, to be able to see this, since it's a little bit of an extended passage and it's important. I'm going to show you what is happening with each of these signs in today's world, actual data, as we go along, or after I read through it, and we go along and discuss. So we're going to Matthew 24, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, by the way, was a Levite. Uh, he was of the priestly class. Jesus was not. David was not part of the priestly class, but Levi was. However, he was a tax collector. He would cooperate with Rome, the dirty Gentiles, to try to get extra money out of the people, not just their taxes, which he collected for Rome, but then he got to keep whatever else he could get them to pay. So he was hated, and all of us were hated by the Jews because they were consorting with the Gentiles and they were essentially extorting their own countrymen. But, of course, uh, Matthew Levi left his position of tax office to follow Christ. Curiously enough, by the way, tax collectors could not even enter the temple and they could not be saved because of their dirtiness with Gentiles. But I dare say that Matthew is right up there with Jesus right now. So let's go to Matthew 24, 4-14. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. This is talking about that period immediately before the tribulation. Before the church goes up and the Antichrist comes in. So how are we doing? Well, talks of wars and rumors of wars. There are more than 40 wars in addition to the one that Russia is waging against Ukraine and that field be ever widening. We might be seeing the World War III that is foretold in Revelation 6 and 9. Of course, China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, and the U.S. all have tensions among them. A lot of the evil ones are cooperating together, like Iran and China. What exactly would an Islamic fundamentalist extremist state like Iran have to do with China? Well, they're both in darkness. China is atheistic darkness. Iran is extremist militant Muslim darkness. The kind of darkness that has grown men marrying eight-year-old girls and taking them as wives in a literal sense. 
Also, it talks about nation against nation. This is actually ethnicity against ethnicity. Ethnos is the word in Greek. And so we've had these tensions, uh, remarkably so, in the U.S., as well as Europe, the Mideast, Africa, and Asia. Famine is foretold. Now, in 2015, the British Medical Journal The Lancet, very highly respected, 200 years old, it declared an end to worldwide famine because it said we have harvesting practices and farming practices that are advanced enough, and we have supply chains that are good and all the rest, and so there's uh, no reason for any more famine, any more lack of food. But before COVID began, we had five major famines around the world. Not one was because of worldwide climate or any kind of crop failure. It was because people clashed, especially on religion, generally militant Muslims, taking crops or torching them from others, Christians or Buddhists, around the globe. Really, it points up the fundamental problem, which is not that we have climate change, it's that we need character change. Now, pestilences, that is talking about illnesses, uh, diseases. Certainly, we have COVID. But really, as COVID begins to fade around the world, the more concerning aspect is the wider aspect of germ warfare, which we know was funded by our United States of America's National Institutes of Health, as well in cooperation with communist China. Many say that that is where COVID came from. Also, we have old major diseases coming back, like cholera and the plague. Yes, that plague, bubonic plague. It has been reported in the United States, in Asia, and in the Middle East. Now, that is one that I would endorse a lockdown about. I'll tell you that. It killed one-third of Europe in the 1300s. Earthquakes increasing. Well, we have five per day worldwide, over 5.0 on the Richter scale. There has been a 60% increase in those 6.0 on the Richter scale or above over the last generation, and an 80% hike in the very worst ones of 8.0 and higher ones on the Richter scale. We had an earthquake off the coast of Rhode Island the other day. Uh, we've had them in New Hampshire. Uh, we've had them in Indiana and so many odd places out in Tonga uh, for the first time in hundreds of years. There are lots of odd happenings in the natural world, which of course is controlled by the very spiritual God. False Christs arising. Right now, we have 14 people worldwide with significant followings who say that they are the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus Christ is not going to be reincarnated. He was resurrected. There's a great deal of difference. Reincarnation means you begin life as something else, someone else. Of course, in the Hindu religion, you may be a caterpillar, you may be an elephant, you may be a person. But... We believe in the resurrection of the body, and we will be known as we are known on earth at this point, the Bible tells us as well. So you will recognize your friends, your relatives, and the others in heaven. I hope you're heading to heaven and not hell. And if you're not heading to heaven, hopefully by the end of today or at the end of our study, you will be. 
persecution of the saints. This is a big key that this is before the tribulation. Now, there will be people coming to Christ in the tribulation, and they will give their lives, but this is all part of this witness that is going to be leading up to the taking out of the church, because essentially there has to be a major happening for people who are still not saved to come to Christ. People have become complacent. People have become uh, inured because of the way things are able to continue happening. Life can continue going on relatively normally uh, without interference uh, of any kind of uh, God apparently to them, at least very literally. Now, God is very active, but it is for those who look for him. And so something dramatic like the catching away of a tenth of the planet or a fifth of the planet uh, to get people's attention. Now, a hundred thousand Christians a year are being martyred. This is significantly on the rise. Open Doors, which is a missionary organization, has a highly reliable and much acclaimed annual index as far as persecution and oppression of, re, of the faith around the world. 54 countries, a record number, were recorded with the highest level of oppression over the last year. Uh, generally, they don't even have 50 that come into that, but it grew from 45 to 54 in one single year. We have Christians being crucified, literally like Jesus, in Africa. Uh, we have them being tortured to death simply for, prefer, uh, for proclaiming the Catholic faith as teachers, as school teachers in China. They are uh, dying in India through the hacking off of limbs. My friends, and there also is a turn against the Lord Jesus and his followers in North America. We have many in the United States who are persecuted. We have seen in coronavirus, the United States and Canada even more so, uh, making churches uh, dissolve essentially from any kind of in-person gathering when the level of um, danger is not that high at all. And so there has been a great deal of persecution around the world. We hear much about Muslims dying, uh, for example, down in New Zealand. That is a very unfortunate case, and no one should ever die that way. But we have 100,000 Christians that are dying every year, and we don't hear a whisper of it, do we? Also, Jesus Christ, I think, very interestingly, talks about offense. What do we hear about so much? I'm offended because of that. You offended me. Also, hate the haters that are out there, hate crimes, hate speech. We have lawlessness. When the government of the United States is lawless itself, it will not guard its own border. Uh, it will not police its own citizens. We have many major cities like Baltimore not even prosecuting crimes that used to be felonies. In New York State, or New York City, rather, I should say, um, one who assaults somebody else physically doesn't even have to post bail to get back out. One man was arrested three times in one day for physically assaulting people and yet was put out on the street. Now, the positive side of this is the gospel being preached in all the world. Well, only 2% or one of every 50 people on this globe is without any scripture in their language. Now, the gospel does not give a specific number or a specific penetration of people groups, like, for example, those people living in East Timor or the groups that are cut off from modern society in the Amazon. 
But it only says that it will be preached in all the world. Well, really, we probably could say that that is about fulfilled right now because we have radio waves, TV waves, Internet servers that are covering the entire surface of the globe with the gospel being preached. They're also covering it with a lot of other stuff, but the gospel is in there. Praise God. And, of course, Eternity Now, EternityNow.com, uh, Eternity Now on Facebook, Facebook Live, etc., are all part of that as well. Now, a couple of things uh, before we move on is Paul also talks importantly, and I think you're going to see very much what's happening today in this, just like we talked about offense and lawlessness, uh, as well as haters uh, with Jesus Christ and his uh, prophecy. We go to 2 Thessalonians 2. That is a little beyond halfway through the New Testament. This is one of the many letters of Paul. 2 Thessalonians 2 is important. We're going to go to verse 3 in this. Yes, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. He says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, that is the day of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away comes first. The falling away signals the coming of Antichrist and the tribulation. What does falling away mean? Some people have tried to say, even Christian preachers, this is the rapture. It is not. That is a different Greek word. The Greek word for rapture is literally a seizing away, as harpazo. The word that is used here in Greek, and the, the New Testament was written originally in Koine Greek, the Old Testament, of course, in Hebrew. But falling away here is apostasia, which is apostasy. That is, holding once to a biblical position, but then denying it. We have about a hundred plus denominations that are Protestant, that are uh, formerly espousing Christian doctrine, say that LGBT get marriage is fine. <laughs> and it's specifically forbidden in the Bible. Also, there are heresies that are sneaking into the church. Uh, we have Arianism coming again. Oh, Jesus is a good teacher, but he's not really God. Or Jesus is wonderful. He's God, but you still have to keep all of that law. Friends, if Jesus Christ hadn't come and been the perfect sacrifice, we would still be in bondage. We'd have to obey those hundreds and hundreds of laws, which he could never possibly do. We'd be earning our way into salvation. That is a terrible heresy. That is uh, very much legalistic. Also, church attendance is down, even in evangelical churches. Eternity now would be an evangelical movement, we might call it, because we believe that people must hear the good news that Jesus Christ is how we can be saved through faith and following him. And that is the only way that one may come to God. That is what Christ himself said. No one comes to the Father except by me. The church attendance in those congregations in America is down 30 to 60%. I remember when I was in Amarillo recently, there was a very large Baptist church on the west side. It used to get hundreds and hundreds. It might even have about 1,000 people. I heard there were only 25 there after coronavirus. The wheat and the tares also are separating in the church. I have noticed this as a pastor in different congregations, as well as in uh, different kind of movements in Christianity. We are seeing those who used to go to church stop going, uh, or only attend online, or what have you sometimes, where they could go in person easily. 
But even more importantly, we are seeing people who even are leaders sometimes, even deacons sometimes, uh, even elders sometimes, who are departing from the faith yet maintaining that they are Christian. They are lying. Uh, they are cheating. They are stealing. They are violating the Bible clearly, but yet saying that they're Christians. They are tares. They're, they're not wheat. I'm not talking about something, you know, a little white lie or something, being nice to someone when they look that good. I'm talking about clearly violating the scriptures, clear lies that can be documented. This is very, very disappointing in the church of Jesus Christ. But you see, it also makes it easy for those of us who are faithful to tell. If you're lying as a matter of course and you see no problem with it, I know not to be with you. I, how can two go together unless they be agreed, Hosea says. Uh, we have to be careful. I, I believe that's actually Amos 3.3, 3, I should say. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Now, we also want to go to verses 10 and 12, and this is almost eerie in the way that it is describing what's going on today. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 to 12. The coming of the lawless one, that is Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan, with all power, lies, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason... God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Did not receive the love of the truth, deception, lying. Have you ever seen so much lying in public life as we have now? Uh, we have a president of the United States who lies almost every time he is in public. And some of that may be from him being mentally diminished. Some of that may be from him simply uh, not wanting to tell us the truth. Uh, we will have to leave that to God, but we do know what he's saying is not true quite a bit of the time. Uh, we also have so many people who make false accusations, sometimes even hate crimes, but yet they, it comes up that they fabricated them. This is incredible deception. That is the idea of uh, that's talked about in Paul's letters, in which he says people have consciences like a seared iron, telling great lies and hypocrisy. When you're lying, and the other person is telling the truth, you're saying that they're lying, and you're, they're doing, you're doing exactly what you accuse them of being. You are an incredible hypocrite, and 20 times in Scripture, Jesus Christ rails against the hypocrites. He probably hated that more than anything else among us. Did not receive a level of the truth that they might be saved. Also, that God will send them strong delusion. We might translate this as irrationality, inability to discuss, intolerance of any opposing views. Does this sound familiar to you? In America, we cannot even discuss politics anymore. Now, I, by background, have been a journalist for many years. I also have been in clergy for many years. But I've had many liberal friends, left, uh, even socialist, communist. I don't care really what your politics are that much, as long as you worship Jesus. And I have friends who are not saved. I have people that I talk with, and uh, we can, uh, we've historically been able to get along. And that's a witness to them. However, I have seen so many people who used to be able to discuss issues calmly that we disagree on, focus on facts, be completely unable to do so. Uh, they will uh, call me or whomever is they disagree with racist. 
Well, my friends, I'm actually ordained in a major African-American denomination. How African-American? Oh, about 96%. <laughs> my friends, uh, I'm not racist, and I have a lot of credentials to prove it. And even these people will know it. And it's like, you know that. Oh, you're a closet racist. Hmm. Wow, that must be some closet. I'll tell you to be able to hold 45 million African-Americans in there with me. It's incredible. And, and we see this, of course, in public life. People just become irrationally uh, beside themselves, even trying to discuss transgenderism and all the rest. I'm fine to discuss transgenderism with you. I don't mind if you're a transgender person, my friend, I would that you would love Christ and you would be saved and he would help you with that. But you could be saved as a transgender person. God will work on you after you get saved, okay? We can't clean everybody up first. That would mean that that would be a work, okay? But if you can't even discuss with me transgenderism without getting extremely volatile, my friend, you, you've got to go and realize that you're out of control. And this is the kind of thing that we are seeing because God will send them strong delusion. Why? Because they refuse to acknowledge the truth. They lie against the truth. We see in our publications in America printing over and over and over again the same lies that have been disproven from the old Goebbels, uh, Nazi Germany contention that if you publish the lie enough, enough times as well and widespread enough, well, people will believe it. And that is actually happening. And so these people, they believe lies. Now, the problem with believing lies is it's untrue. And so it will not come to pass, right? It's self-destructive. But we who have love, power, and sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7, that's a promise to every believer, not the spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind, we have a decided advantage over that, do we not? So we have to realize that we have very much the kind of scene setting that is shown here in the word of God. Now, I'm also going to point out the rapture of the truth is upcoming, and then we'll see if you have some questions. The next major event is going to be the taking up, the harpazo, the snatching away of the church. This is in 1 Thessalonians 4 to 5, but we're going to just talk about mainly the part of chapter 4, verses 15 to 18. So 1 Thessalonians, or just in 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 to 18. Here is uh, how it reads. We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What a wonderful encouragement that is when we see the world shaken, rolling from one side to another, uh, furiously trying to find stability, but it never will outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. So where does this term of rapture come from? I don't see it in English and I don't see it in Greek. Ah, it's from Latin. You see, just about the time that the King James Version came out, Latin was very, very popular. And the word for harpazo in Latin is rapturo, which is rapture. <laughs> and Jesus describes this in Matthew 24, verses 40 to 42. He says, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. I may be 
taken away, my next door neighbor will be left right here. And the word harpazo is for a physical violent snatching away. It's not metaphysical. It's, it's not in your mind. It's actually physical. What we'll see in Revelation is as we go on, the signs of judgment, they get harsher and harsher and harsher as they go along because God is trying to get people's attention. And, you know, if 800 million or a billion Christians vanishing from the globe doesn't get your attention, I don't know what will, my friend. <laughs> and then billions of people dying and all the rest of it. It's unfortunate, but it has to happen. And the thing is, it, it's still really a, a love of God because he's trying to bring these people who are so hardened against Christ to the truth. So they won't perish forever. Friend, it is better to die in this life from some kind of accident or gunshot or sword or whatever than it is to live in hell without hope of exit, without end. You're being physically tortured by the fire. You're being mentally tortured. Why didn't I believe all those times those preachers told me, all the Bible verses that I read? Or if I was in church, why didn't I actually practice what was being preached? That's what we're trying to prevent here at Eternity Now with our rich a million. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 to 3, the last verse here I'll get into for right now, is uh, also very, very close to our time. The day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. My friends, the day of the Lord for Christians is the rapture. The day of the Lord for the world is Jesus Christ coming back physically to rule and reign, and at first there will be the separation of the sheep and the goats. The goats go directly to hell, and the sheep get their resurrection bodies, and then live and rule and reign with Christ a thousand years with all the rest of us. So, peace and safety, how many times do you hear people say, be safe, these days? Peace, we want peace. All around the world, peace, peace, in Eastern Europe. We also had a very interesting Mexican statue from the state of Oaxaca that was outside of the United Nations building. And it was a guardian of peace and safety, and it looked much like a creature from Daniel's prophecies and his book, a creature with a jaguar with wings. And so these things are for those who are watching. Jesus said, watch and pray. And so we need to watch for the signs of the times and know that our redemption draws near, as it says in Luke 21, verse 28. Christ is at the doors, as he says in the Olivet Discourse. Now, is that today? Is that tomorrow? I don't know. Could it be. Could it be a year from now? Yes. Could it be 10 years from now? Yes. But the Lord says, that generation will not pass away. Many people think that that's the generation of when Israel came to be a nation. That really, I don't believe, is indicated in the scripture. It's also quite a this generation in the terms of the Bible is the person being born and then coming to age to have children of his own or her own. And so we're talking about 30, 35 years. That 
would fit very much the strange happenings of the last 20 years. We've had 21 years this year since 9-11. Uh, we've had just a few. Now, of course, factor in another seven for the tribulation. And so we're talking about this being the generation. Now, are, am I being wild and crazy by saying, oh, this is the generation? No, I'm not, because the Bible says you will know the generation. Have others been wrong about this before? Oh, absolutely, yes. May I be wrong about some things sometimes? Oh, absolutely. All of us will get our theology straightened out just a little bit from the Lord Jesus Christ. We get to heaven, my friend. Uh, but the Lord said you would know that season. When you see all of these signs happening at once in a short period of time, you know I am at the doors. I'm about to come through. <clears throat> and so we see these clearly happening. We could not know of wars all around the world until fairly recently, right? Uh, we've only had modern communications technology that's worldwide the last hundred years or so. Many of these things could not possibly have happened and were not happening in that time. I wanted to uh, answer the question of what are going to be uh, some of the major happenings in the revelation that will be coming. One of the uh, big things is there are going to be three rounds of judgment after the rapture. And we find that there are seven judgments in each of those. And so there's actually 21, and we have a 777 as opposed to a 666. So interesting uh, that the Lord is showing this as a parallel, but we're going to have some amazing things like uh, asteroids hitting the earth and all the rest of that. Quite exciting. I, uh, and uh, also, some have asked, well now, I've heard that the first half of the tribulation is not all that active. It's not all that bad. Uh, it's only the second half. Well, that's exactly wrong. You have to only read Revelation to know that's false. The four horsemen of the apocalypse will be riding, and they're already beginning, I believe, at this point in time. How long the run-up uh, to the rapture is, I don't know, and nobody can. But we do have scarcity, inflation, lawlessness uh, prevailing, and also war and death that's going on around the world right now. And of course, this is going to get worse as we get into the tribulation. Basically, the first half of it forecasts World War III. Uh, this is not overstating anything. We're looking at half of the people of the world dying. This is very serious. But I think we also see right now how wicked man's heart is. We have not evolved in any sense morally or spiritually. We're actually devolving. At this point in time, Putin, as I understand it, is doing some things worse than the Nazis and targeting ordinary civilians for being shot dead on the street, for example. So we're not advancing. And people, by the way, not only will lie about others terribly, but they will put them to physical pain. They're even assassinating people because they are supporters of a, a certain candidate. That's incredible. They're costing them their jobs and churches and society for no other reason than they simply don't like their position on a policy or they don't like people's faith. That is well beyond the pale, and that's really, really inhuman in, uh, to a great degree, my friend. Um, if you're one of those perpetrating those, repent. Seek the Lord Jesus. And if you're one of those who's being persecuted, know that God is with you. All those who desire to live godly shall suffer persecution, it says in the letters of Peter. And so uh, we will pray for you to bear up as we are about to end here in a couple of minutes. It's uh, very difficult, though, because we see Christians, quote-unquote, those who are the false church persecuting the true church this day. I uh, am very sad uh, about that.
Um, also, as far as what will happen after the seven years, uh, we are going to have Christ coming back and rule and reign. Uh, he will, of course, judge the sheep of the goats, separate them, uh, and then he will be here over a perfected earth. Not only will there be no sin among people, there will be no sin with animals. <laughs> My little guinea pigs, I have Dorcas and Esther. Yes, they're both biblical names, Old Testament, New Testament. They are going to uh, be able to play with the snakes, and they won't be able to fear them at all because the snakes won't be hurting anyone. The lion and the lamb lay down together. You may have heard of that. That is out of Isaiah's uh, chapter 65, in which he talks about the perfected nature uh, of the earth in that time. There will be a final rebellion, and then um, the devil will be put into hell forever. Uh, all those who uh, have not been resurrected yet, basically the unsaved dead will be judged, put into hell. Uh, and then uh, those believers who are born again, uh, they will be going to the New Jerusalem, uh, which is a literal cube. <laughs> the honest to goodness, they have the dimensions in Scripture. We will be there in pure wonder and amazement and love forever with Jesus in person. Isn't that worth a bit of difficulty and pain for, my friends? I hope you would agree. I've gone through difficulty and pain for the Lord Jesus. I bet you have to. You've been living for him. And so we need to hold strong here to the end. It is a difficult and a hard time to be able to go through, but know that any moment we will be leaving here. Know that any moment we will be taken out. Know that any moment we will make it. Isn't it going to be exciting? It's going to be great. And we praise the Lord for all of it as well. And think about you know the hardships that we have today. We have a hard year, a hard couple of years, a hard several years, a hard life. 70 years, and if by reason of strength, 80, Psalm 90, verse 10 says, well, the millennial kingdom will be 1,000 years, 13 lifetimes, and then, of course, forever never ends. But in our case, we wouldn't want to leave heaven because it's perfect. We wouldn't want to leave the new Jerusalem because it's perfect. So it's going to be magnificent. I can't wait to see you there in eternity with us. Uh, this is Eternity Now. I'm Pastor Evangelist Kyle Huckins. I enjoy being with you. We will see you next week on 7 p.m. Mountain Time uh, here on a Facebook.com slash Eternity Now Media, all one word. Facebook.com slash Eternity Now Media, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this program. For more, including links to all our broadcasts and social media, go to www.eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W.com. We have over a hundred videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's EternityNow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and give you peace. I'm gonna shout.